Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. If you'll take your scriptures in hand and turn with me to Daniel chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 3 and verse 8 in just a moment. We are starting a new series tonight titled Stand Victoriously, and tonight's message is titled Standing on Holy Ground in the Deserts of Life. You know, there's no doubt that as a Christian, we are engaged in spiritual battle, and Paul encourages us to be strong in the Lord and in, in his mighty power and to put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand and and be able to withstand the schemes of the devil. And if we ever needed this message, we need it now as we live in a very spiritually dark time where evil pervades every level of society and sin and immorality permeates our culture. We need the power of God to be able to take our stand and withstand the devil's schemes. You know, Moses stood before a pagan ruler, Pharaoh, the oppressor of God's people, and victoriously resisted him. But Moses could not stand before Pharaoh until he had stood before the presence of God in a, at a burning bush in the desert where God said, take off your shoes for the place you are standing is holy ground. God implied that in that barren desert, was a place where his presence, companionship, and power could be found. Folks, many times we may find ourselves walking through the deserts of life, but the desert cannot cut you off from God's presence. Amen? God can be found in the desert. One writer aptly said, when God is present every place, every situation, every circumstance, every problem, every barrier, every assignment becomes an opportunity for God to accomplish something for his glory through you. Amen? There's nothing that you're going through that you cannot find God's presence there. And if God is there, then there is something for his glory he's desiring to do in and through you. Amen? Like Queen Esther we have been born in the providence of God for a time such as this. I believe that we have the incredible privilege of living in the end times. I am believing that I am going to see the return of the Lord Jesus Christ with my eyes. I'm going to hear the trumpet sound. I'm going to see him descend from heaven and I'm going to be caught up together with you and the true church of Jesus Christ into his presence. Amen. But we have been born in the providence of God for such a time as this because there is a work, there is a purpose that God has for us in this hour. God made us for this moment. We have an important role to play in his unfolding plan. We are empowered by God to be able to serve him in the midst of any circumstance. And let me tell you something, Paul warned us that in the end times, 
perilous times would come. And I believe that we are seeing that unfolding before our eyes. And God wants to enable us to see our life as holy ground, a place where his presence can be manifest, a place where he accomplishes supernatural achievements through ordinary people like you and I. And this is a principle that is powerfully illustrated in the life of Daniel. Daniel lived at a very crucial time in Judah's history. It's quite likely that Daniel stood as a young man and actually listened to the weeping prophet Jeremiah warn of God's coming judgment for decades to, to Israel that turned a deaf ear in their sin and wickedness. In fact, if Daniel was as sharp and keen as the Bible indicates he was, he may have even known that his very circumstances were a part of the fulfillment of God's prophecy regarding the coming judgment of Judah. He may have heard quoted in the temple the words of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 39, 6 and 7, where it says, Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and and all that your fathers had load, laid up in store to this day will be carried to Babylon. There it is, a prophecy, hundreds of years before it took place. He says, nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your sons who will issue from you, who you will beget, Daniel wasn't even born, but he says, whom you will beget will be taken away and they will become officials in the palace of the king of Babylon. Here is Isaiah prophesying 200 years in advance what would ha happen in the life of Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego. They would be taken captive, the sons and daughters of those that heard the prophecy of Isaiah. They would be taken captive, but God would raise them up to be officials, hallelujah, in the palace of the king of Babylon and I believe that in these dark days God is wanting to raise up his church God is wanting to raise up his people hallelujah into places of influence for the glory and honor of God amen just as he did with Daniel Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon's army came and besieged Jerusalem in 605 BC and after several attacks took many of its inhabitants captive and finally destroyed the city and the temple of God and their life as a nation virtually ceased. And this feeling of Daniel and his people after the Babylonian captivity is captured by a fellow captive in Babylonia in Psalm 137, verses 1 through 4. Here they are, carried away from their homeland, their homeland destroyed, and this is what they're saying. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there, those who carried us away captive asked of us, sing a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Sing us one of your songs of praise. Praise your God now in the midst of this issue, in the midst of this problem. And the ungodly Babylonians mocked the Jews, said, Worship your God now. And the captives sorrowfully said, how shall we sing the songs of the Lord in a foreign land? 
folks, do not allow the enemy to steal your praise no matter what you're going through because your victory is in your praise. Amen? But the psalmist is saying, how can we sing songs of praise? To our God when our enemy has prevailed over us, when we find ourselves in a place of defeat? How can we sing the songs of the Lord when we find ourselves in an ungodly land, when our enemies have been victorious over us and our God has been dishonored? We are sitting by the rivers of Babylon away from the temple of God and in this kind of state, how can we possibly praise God? This is the question that we sometimes ask. How can we sing the songs of praise when we're going through such difficult times or when there is such darkness in the world and God's name is being profaned? But let me tell you something. Daniel will teach us. But, but before we go any further, let's try to imagine Daniel's experience during this first siege of Jerusalem. Imagine a 13 or 14-year-old Jewish boy whose life has always been pretty safe and, and then suddenly your city, your home is under attack. You are taken captive by a people who don't even speak your language and who worship all kind of occult powers and you are treated brutally, bound in chains, forced to walk to Babylon, which is about a four-month walk, carried captive to a distant land far from family and home, and finally you see in the distance the fortress city of Babylon protected by a four solid rock walls that are 85 feet a high and a total of 65 feet thick. The city was virtually impenetrable. And as they enter the city, temples and altars to idols are everywhere. And a 40-foot high structure decorated with dragons and bulls, symbols of the chief Babylonian gods Marduk and Hadad, the gods of storm and war respectively, are erected in the midst of that city. Even the bricks paving the main road are engraved with tributes to Marduk. They're the one they called the mighty Lord. There were images of idolatry everywhere you looked. And it makes living godly lives in the midst of our pagan environment seem like a piece of cake in comparison, doesn't it? Well, that's exactly what Daniel and his friends went on to do for the next 70 years. And because they did, we can be encouraged that we can too. Read with me, if you will, Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Asphanaz, the chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. In verse eight, it says, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to him by the king. Because in those days, the food and wine would have been dedicated to these false gods. So he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now, the interesting thing about the beginning of the book is that appearances are deceiving. 
Actually, God was as much in charge of the overthrow of Jerusalem as he was many times earlier in defending Jerusalem against its enemies. God was using Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians as the instruments of his judgment on the Jews for their rejection of him through their flagrant idolatry and sin so that they might come to repentance and be restored. Now, he had warned them. He warned them for a couple hundred years through Isaiah, through Nehemiah. He warned and he warned and he warned, but they refused to hear. And in verse 2, it says, the Lord gave him, Nebuchadnezzar, victory. Wait a minute. The Lord gave victory to the enemy of his people? You know, the word Lord there in Hebrew speaks of one who is master or owner, the one who is in control. And that revelation should cause us to change our perspective on how God works. God used the enemy of Judah to fulfill his good purpose for them and the glory of his name. I'm sure at the moment they didn't think it was good. But if they had continued on their path, they would have been lost for all eternity. But you know what? God stated his purpose in allowing them to be carried into Babylonian exile. His purpose was that they would never again turn to idols. And do you know that after they were restored from Babylonian exile, they were guilty of many things. But there's one thing that they were never guilty of again. They never again turned to the worship of other of, of idols so they were cured of their idolatry because god was more concerned with their spiritual condition than with their physical condition he was more concerned with with their holiness than he was their happiness if you will he wanted to make sure that they were right with God. But the perspective of faith realizes that when we have trusted our life to God, all of life becomes holy ground. He is present, he is in control, and he is working. Author J.D. Salinger once wrote that all we do our whole lives is to go from one little piece of holy ground to the next. And just as God was in the desert making himself manifest to Moses in the burning bush, he was in Babylon working and revealing himself to and through Daniel. And he is in our life and circumstance as well to work and make himself known in and through us and to accomplish his good purpose. Now the perspective of faith, the perspective Daniel had, enables us to stand victoriously no matter what happens in life. And I want you to see this. Faith stands by trusting that God is still in control even when our circumstances seem to argue the opposite. Faith stands by trusting that God is still in control even when our circumstances seem to argue otherwise. Whenever events look bleak and hopeless, it's always important to remember that there are two stories being told at the same time in any set of circumstances. And you can see this clearly in verse one. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. On the natural realm, that's what was taking place. A king decided to come and invade another nation. But in the spirit realm, verse two says, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, 
into his hand. Two stories being told. One in the natural realm and one in the spirit realm. You see, the Bible tells us that there's one story that's taking place on the stage in front of the curtain that we can see with our natural eyes. But there's another story taking place behind the curtains that we cannot see with our natural eyes. Sister Martha Tennyson, who's a wonderful evangelist and friend of mine, she's preached here several times. She preached here one sermon that uh, she kept making the statement, there is what is happening and then there's what's really going on. We see with our eyes what is happening. But in our spirit, we need to see what's really going on, what's happening behind the scenes. There, there is the event itself, and then there's what God is doing. There's the plan behind the event. Who you see in control of your life has everything to do with how you respond to the circumstances of life. God is always at work behind the scenes of our life. He knows what is happening and he has it all under control even when we are not sure what's going on. Faith enables us to realize that there are no interruptions in our life. There are no interruptions for God. God is never caught by surprise by anything that happens in our life. You know, something happens and we're like, oh, wow, how could that happen? God is not up in heaven saying, oh, no, I didn't see that one coming. You know, God is not caught by surprise by anything that happens in our life. He's not left scratching his head and saying, oh, man, how could that possibly happen? No, God is in control of everything. And the Bible tells us nothing can touch our lives that has not first passed through the hands of God. Even when it's the devil at work, he's got to first get permission from God, just like we read in Job 2, right? And God sets limits. You can do this, but you can't do that. Amen? We may not understand why at the moment, but problems, difficulties, and circumstances are no accident to the one who lovingly and wisely guides our lives. Jeremiah 29, 11 one of my favorite verses, I hope it's one of yours. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. God's a God of planning, folks. He planned the plan of salvation before he created the world. And he has been outworking that plan of salvation throughout all history. And he's got a plan for your life and mine. For I know the plans I have for you, declare the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Folks, so even when difficulty comes into our life, God does not allow that difficulty to harm us. He does it to bring about something good in our life, to prosper us, plans to give you a hope and a future. God wants to give us a better future, amen? And we can trust that God's got a plan and he is using even the worst situations of our life, even the worst that the enemy can do to us, to fulfill his good plan for us. Faith enables us to see that what appears as an interruption is really an opportunity. Sometimes things happen and we're like, oh man, that just interrupted all of my plans. Now everything is turned upside down. But faith enables us to see the opportunity. Daniel discovered that there is an opportunity in every interruption. 
Daniel moved out of the realm of interruption and walked through the door of opportunity. Here he was in the king's training and brainwashing program in the Babylonian language and culture. But Daniel said, you know, this is an opportunity for me to stand for God and to be a testimony to the ungodly. And that's how Daniel would live for the next 70 years. He allowed God to work and shine through him even in the face of threat. He saw even the most adverse of circumstances as an opportunity to stand for God and lift up a testimony unto his name. And we too can view the things that seemingly, seemingly interrupt our plans as an opportunity for God to fulfill his plan. In Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, Paul tells us this. He says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. See, the difference between fools and the wise is that Fools don't really have a plan for their life, right? They don't seek what God's will is. They're just living life as it comes. But the wise, first of all, the biblical definition of a wise person is a person who fears the Lord. That's the beginning of all wisdom, right? So the wise person is the person who fears the Lord. And when you're wise, Paul says you make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. You don't act thoughtlessly but you understand what the Lord wants you to do. So folks, we can't just go barreling through life haphazardly and be kind of like, no, we've got to say, Lord, what is your will? What is it that you are desiring to do in me and through me at this moment in time in these circumstances? We've got to know what the will of the Lord is. We need to be alert at all times to what God is desiring to do in and through us in whatever situation we may find ourselves. And we need to make the most of that opportunity for God to be glorified. Hallelujah. Faith also understands that every situation is unique. Daniel's situation was unique for his time, and ours is unique as well. So it was with Abraham, with Moses, with Esther. The list goes on, and so it is with each and every one of our lives. God has carefully orchestrated the details of your life for the fulfillment of his purpose, and nothing, absolutely nothing, happens by chance. We see the circumstances and sometimes wonder, how could this happen so suddenly, so unexpectedly? We question why, we question how. But God is in control. Our life is in his hands. And instead of questioning why and how, we need to question what? God, what is it that you are desiring to do in and through me in this moment of time, through these circumstances? A second principle, faith stands by trusting that our problem is a platform for God's power and glory. Our life situation isn't too big for God's power. This was true for Daniel, it's true for us. Whether it's the power to stand uncompromisingly in our commitment to, just like Daniel, who refused to defile himself with the king's food, who refused to defile himself with an ungodly culture, or it's the power to be a testimony to God even when we are going through the hardest of circumstances and others can watch us and they can say, but wow, you're going through X, Y, and Z, but look at the joy. Look at the peace. 
And then it, it, it begins to make them want to know what's different about you because they need what you have. Amen. I remember when I was <clears throat> going through cancer and I, I, I was getting chemo and I was in the infusion room and there was another lady there that was being treated. Her last name was Machado. I don't remember her first name at the moment, but uh, she was talking about um, how the Memorial Hospital District had sent her to uh, yoga and they had sent her to acupuncture and they had sent her to new age meditation and all sorts of things because she was absolutely racked by anxiety over the cancer. She couldn't sleep. She was stressed out. She was exhausted. And they're saying, you need to sleep because your body needs to recuperate. And she couldn't do any of that. So they're sending her to all of these, you know, ungodly worldly means. And, and she's asking me, she's saying, but, but you look like you're at peace. She said, how, how can you be at, at such peace? And boy, that's the only door that I just, she just needed to crack the door. And I pushed it wide open. And that whole day from eight o'clock in the morning to four o'clock in the afternoon, I talked to her about Jesus, amen? And I sent her some, some links for some uh, prayer, uh, uh, scripture prayers online. And I said, listen to this before you lay down at night. Listen to this music, you know. Um, I, I, I hope she did. I don't know. I didn't see her again after that. But it was an opportunity to, to be a testimony for God just by her watching the way that I was going through uh, the same or similar circumstances to her. Or it might be the power to remain true to our commitment to God, even when society pressures us to compromise our faith and, com uh, and, and conform to its values, to its views, to its morals. As when Daniel prayed, despite the edict of Darius, for 30 days nobody was supposed to pray to anybody except to the king, to the emperor, because back then they, they practiced emperor worship. But you know what? The Bible says that Daniel prayed three times a day as he had always done. He refused to compromise. Amen. Or it may be the power to face the lion's den and come out alive and glorifying God. But whatever the situation is that we face, God will provide the supernatural power to overcome every circumstance so that his name may be glorified in and through us. For Daniel... No circumstance paralyzed him. And the power that was available to Daniel is available to us today and even more so because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our circumstances have great potential. The question of our life should not be, why me? Why is life so difficult? Or why is this happening to me? The question should be, God, what are you doing in me? And what do you desire to do through me in these circumstances? God is in control and he's working in every circumstance to lift up a testimony for his glory and to show himself mighty to the world. Hallelujah. Third principle, faith stands by trusting God in surrendering our life to his will and purpose. Faith looks beyond what we're going through to what God is doing through what we're going through. Are you willing to make yourself available to God and to say, God, in the midst of the most difficult circumstances of my life, I want you to use me. You know, in, in, in Daniel chapter two, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and none of the wise men, none of the astrologers, the magi of his kingdom could tell him the dream or its interpretation. 
And he was furious, and he ordered all of the wise men of Babylon to be killed because they couldn't give him the answer. And that, in, that edict included Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego because they were among those magi. So Daniel and his three friends prayed for God to reveal the dream in its meeting, and Daniel asked the king for just a little bit more time. And God did not fail, so Daniel returned to the king to tell him both the dream and its interpretation. And in Daniel 2, 27 through 28, Daniel said, There are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven. Folks, that's what makes all the difference. There is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you your dream and the vision you saw as you lay on your bed. I want you to see Daniel took no credit. He said, I can't tell you. This answer is not coming from me. I, I give all the glory to God. Folks, even under the pressure of being executed, Daniel's focus was on God. We need to always remember that no matter what we're facing, there is a God in heaven, and he has all the answers. Amen? He knows all things. And just as Nebuchadnezzar's dream revealed, God is working in every detail of history to the fulfillment of his eternal purpose because the dream that God gave Nebuchadnezzar laid out a timeline of kingdoms that would rule from Babylon to the Medes and the Persians, to the Greeks, to the Romans, when Jesus would come, and then the Roman Empire would end, and then at the end of the age, the revised Roman Empire, signified by the feet of the statue that he saw, mixed with iron and clay, the Roman Empire was iron, the feet would be iron and clay, and the ten toes represent ten kingdoms, and that's what's called the revised Roman Empire empire, which is the empire out of which the Antichrist would arise. And many Bible scholars believe that that revised Roman Empire is associated with the European Union, which currently has about 15 nations. England just exited. You remember the whole Brexit kind of thing? And so uh, it, it's not unlikely that some of the other nations may exit till it gets to 10. And when it gets to 10, and that can happen at any time, um, out of that, the Antichrist will overthrow three of those kings and he will rise to power. But the mechanism is already there in place with uh, the European Union. But, but I want you to see that God lays out this timeline of kingdoms in advance that would, would um, be the unveiling of history. And what is he saying? God knows all things and God is working. History is not history, it's his story. God is working in all things for the fulfillment of his purpose. And the same God who worked in and through Daniel and who repeatedly protected and preserved the life of Daniel and his three friends, whether it was the lion's den or the fiery furnace, he is the same God that we serve today. And he will do the same in and through us as we trust him and stand in faith.
Faith understands that God's plans are beyond our understanding. Daniel, as a teenager, could not have imagined the plans that God had for him. From being a, a, a boy taken captive to a foreign land to eventually be raised up to second in command to the emperor, the prime minister, so to speak, an advisor of kings and a lifelong voice for God in a pagan nation. Daniel wasn't preaching in church. He was in the courts of a pagan king speaking for God to an occultic nation. In Isaiah 55, 9, it reminds us that God's ways are higher than your ways and his thoughts than your thoughts. God sees beyond where you are to what he wants to do in and through you if you will just surrender to him. God has a destiny for each of our lives that is far beyond what we think or can imagine if we will trust him. And while we seek God and surrender to him, we need to bloom where God has providentially planted us. Jeremiah 29, 4-7 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried captive and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. What God is saying is unpack your bags because where you are right now is where I have you. So don't have a pity party and keep saying, God, I want to be over there. Because sometimes we live our life that way. I don't like it where I am, God. I want to be over there. You know, and, and they were having a pity party. They wanted to be back in Jerusalem. And God said, no, where you are right now is where I have brought you. And you need to unpack your bags. You need to build houses. You need to have families. You need to build businesses. You need to have children. You need to get your children married. They need to have children so that the people of God can grow. Amen? And not diminish. I'll be honest with you. You know, when COVID hit and, and you know, it affected the church dramatically, um, and not just our church, I was reading an article the other day that said that most churches are at about 30% of what they were pre-COVID. And um, as a pastor, it was discouraging, you know? And, and at times I found myself wanting to have a pity party and say, God, I wanna go back to the way it was before COVID. I want the church to be full again. I, I want us to have two services on a Sunday morning. I want us to be growing, you know? And um, God just kept telling me through different means. If you just keep planting the right seeds, the harvest will come. Just keep doing what I'll call you to do, and the harvest will come. And you know what? We're beginning to see that harvest. This year, we have, be we have seen such an upsurge in people receiving Christ and, and, and being added to the body of Christ and growing in the Lord. But of course, you know, this is 2023. COVID hit back in 2020. So sometimes we got to be patient. 
We got to just unpack our bags where God has us at the moment. Because you know what? I believe that God was working through COVID. One thing I believe that God was doing was shaking the church and purifying the church. Purifying the church. Because folks, if two-thirds of the church, at least in America that we're aware of, fell away from church as a result of COVID, what does that say of their spiritual condition? Come on now. Reflect on that for a moment. And, and I believe that God is working because he is purifying that bride that he is preparing for his return because the church is the bride of Christ. And the Bible says that he's purifying unto himself a bride that is white and without blemish. Amen, without spot and without blemish. And I believe that, that God was working even through COVID in purifying that, that bride. Amen. And, and, and so we have to see that, you know, wherever we are presently, if we've been seeking God and doing his will, wherever we are presently is because God brought us here. Folks, it's not as comfortable in Babylon as it was back in Jerusalem. This post-COVID stuff is not as comfortable as it was pre-COVID. And the culture that has changed and become um, very dominantly anti-Christian and, and very flagrantly immoral. It's kind of like, you know, God, can't we go back to where America was some kind of a vestige of a Christian nation? You know, but God has brought us to this time for such a time as this. And folks, the immorality of our country and of the world is another sign of the end times. God said that the end times would be as in the days of Noah, where their thoughts were wicked continually, and as in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, the two cities that were destroyed for sexual immorality, particularly homosexuality. And he said that the end times are going to be just like it was back in those days. Folks, that's another sign that we are living in the end. And God has brought us to such a time as this. And God is telling us, bloom where you have been planted. Don't sit around and have a pity party. Oh, the world is so terrible. Oh, the no. God says, plant crops, plant those seeds, bring in the harvest, bloom where I have planted you because I am at work and I have a plan for you even in the midst of these undesirable circumstances. God has a plan for our present and God has a plan for our future as well. Amen. Be encouraged like Moses and Daniel. Your life is on holy ground. Be committed to be involved in the greatest thing in the world, which is the plan of God. Remember like Daniel in a strange land that God is with you wherever life takes you and he wants to use you. And let's pray, God, have your way. Do what you desire to do in and through me and help me to bloom wherever you have brought me, wherever you have planted me so that your church can grow, that your kingdom can be advanced rather than diminished. If that's your heart's cry, bow your heads right where you are and pray and make that commitment to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now and we are living in a dark and pagan culture. And these are very difficult times. But like Daniel, 
we purpose in our heart not to defile ourselves with the things of this world. And Father, even if we find ourselves facing trial and difficulty, Lord God, we surrender ourselves to you and we say, have your way in us, Lord God. Do what you desire to do in and through us. Use us for your glory. Lift up a testimony to your name, even in the midst of our trial. And Father, help us when we're going through that dark time, not to sit around and, and have a pity party and wish we were in another situation or somewhere else, but help us to bloom where you have brought us, to bloom where you have planted us and bring glory and honor to your name. Father, we surrender our lives to you and we say have your way in and through us and let your good purpose be fulfilled. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. God bless you. We love your new life. We will see you on Sunday. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954 516 1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.